0: Hey,
1: folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The daily ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing Beautiful, directed by Alejandro G. Inarritu; Extraction by Sam Hargrave, we have newly released Extraction 2 by Sam Hargrave, Elemental by Peter Sun, and finally, The Flash, directed by Andy Muschietti going to be a great show, folks, so stay tuned and enjoy. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy?
0: Thomas, how's it going? Uh, It's going okay on my end. How was your week in movies, man? Uh, Week was busy. Uh, You know, glad to get some Netflix watching in because we got three news. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Was it it a stellar week? Probably Probably not. not. But but obviously, we have the very, the monumental big release of the Flash. Uh, I've been seeing, oh, it's been disappointing in the box office everywhere. Uh, Yeah. Still number one. Yeah. Still cracked number one. Right, right.
1: But a lot of news on Flash, Elemental, not a lot of news on that. Yeah. And then ext- extraction, I kind of realized it was a thing this week. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and it's just yeah. like son of a bitch. There's a two of them, huh? Yeah,
0: <laughs> who we'll put that there?
1: Uh, I watched, <laughs> I watched the first about 40 minutes oh, okay. of Extraction One because yeah. uh, you know it's just like, all right, maybe I can, I can, I can help out here on this one. <laughs> And then of course but the cool thing is we are wrapping up our Ineritu
0: <laughs> yes, study. Yes. Uh, yes. I had I had one slot remaining. I was like, "All right, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm biting <laughs> the bullet. It's been prolonged long enough."
1: Uh, it's a very new episode as far as movies go, but yeah. uh, all right, let's let's just get into the episode right away. So we'll start back in 2010. This is beautiful. Alejandro G Ineritu directing basically we did all his films before this we did all his films after this Mm -hmm. so what do we get with his 2010 Beautiful?
0: So yeah Beautiful is um, unfortunately it's his least or rather worst reviewed uh, of his films period Uh, not saying that they're bad but they're all kind of sitting around 50s or mid 50s across the board Yeah, as far as critical reception and folks uh, it is the last of the study probably the most delayed and pushback director study we've done yet so I I promise it'll be better. Back in Subtitles. Uh, this is set in Spain, which again I think I mentioned on an earlier movie that after a while he. Oh no, it might have been for the review for Bardo that he puts aside Spanish films. Yeah, uh, and and you know, uh, to his to his Hollywood fame, basically yeah,
1: he does three American. Yep, right. And then mm-hmm. goes back to Spanish speaking with for uh, for Bardo, yeah, yeah.
0: So it, just interesting. Uh, I I wanted to just make note of it because uh, with with Bardo, I had a misunderstanding with that. But uh, after watching it, I could definitely tell you it's without the hallmarks or his hallmarks leading up to the release in 2010. We talked a lot about the bold editing choices and the story juggling of uh, Inari 2's earlier work. We do, however, get the bridge I was looking for. We get fine. Uh, <laughs> Our first sprinklings of surrealism, especially around life and mortality, which will, of course, lead into future films as his wonderful, wonderful use of dream sequences and, and surreal sequences. So, here it is only sprinklings, it's not a huge amount, but it is finally there. So, I've kind of connected my understandings of. Who he is now as a director and what his earlier films? Yeah, like I think then. a
1: lot of commonalities in his early stuff mm-hmm. that we were not picking. We we're just like, where yeah, is this? Oh, yeah, who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> where, where is he coming from? It's good. This is our, like you said, it's our bridge. Yeah. this is our middle child. Exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> and maybe for that reason, critical reception at the time was kind of spotty. For that reason, maybe they were expecting something different out of him. But uh, yeah,
1: I, I was doing more, just more research on him too. I, I'm to understand it a little bit better. It's a loose trilogy kind of an unconnected trilogy but mm. how he set it up about death his earlier films
0: oh interesting and it's just like oh okay alright that that works definitely a tone here uh, I mean this film is existential oh really this too yeah oh, okay. yeah absolutely uh, well what, what what did you think was the I,
1: I think the uh, Amoris Peros mm-hmm. I think Babel Mm. And then what was the other one? 21 grams. Yes. Oh, uh, that's
0: true. That's true. All are all are very death-oriented. Yeah. I
1: had just I mean maybe that's not true. That's just what I read kind
0: yeah, of. Yeah, sure. I always love when uh these unofficial trilogies come out because it's usually by the director just talking about themselves, which is just like, "Alright, well, you can say anything." Yeah. Know? Well, I know. <laughs> It was uh, like uh, uh we came mm-hmm. across that with Del Toro. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You had one I, masculine one feminine whatever I think, I it was. Think yeah. He's
1: yeah. up his own ass the most <laughs> when it comes to. Oh, yeah, this is my undefined trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) The the
0: feud continues. I love it. Uh, Beautiful is a character study, though, uh, with a heavy focus on Javier Bardem's character. I believe it's pronounced Uxbal. Uh, It's Um, U-X-B-A-L. So, I don't know. No, it's good. (laughs) Never met a cat named uh, Uxbal. (laughs) Uh, A tough criminal character and an even tougher father living in Barcelona. He makes his living coordinating knockoff peddlers on the streets, he deals with a manic wife who endangers their kids, but he is a father above it all. The theme of fatherhood is one of the strongest tones of this film, with this being dedicated to Inarito's own father, found out at the very end of the film, but really put a lot in perspective of why he would want to tackle this. Maybe as well, this is just me kind of projecting or, or, or even predicting, but why maybe he feels even comfortable to infuse a little bit more surrealism, something that he's comfortable with his later films that he's writing then. Mm-hmm. So it, it, make, it makes sense as far as you know. hindsight 2020, looking back at this and, and seeing where this hit for him and why he would want to tackle right, this sure. project. All of that is challenged, however, by news that he has prostate cancer, uh, which warps everything he knows and warps his remaining days around him. Beautiful is a very unique film. I would call this a spiritual drama. Um and what I mean by that is that it's a it's a drama but I wouldn't really call it a medical drama even though it has to deal with this diagnosis mm-hmm. for for Uxball. It's really more so tied to how with him Having one foot in the grave, he's now ultra-sensitive to death around him uh, and gets what's what's thrown at him. Almost like you buy a new car and you see that car everywhere. Well, and guess what? He's, right, right. <laughs> he's almost going to die, so he's noticing— His Death is everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, very early on, it's hinted that he has some sort of supernatural sensitivity that sometimes he's able to tap into— Uh, His mother as well is an old-world kind of shaman type, um, believing in evil eye and doesn't believe in doctors or modern medicine. Instead, she has remedies that are equally alternative but also superstitious and kind of guides Uxbal in that way. So this challenge of cancer encroaching into Uxbal's life puts him one foot in the grave and, and unwillingly he notices death around him much more. This creates an atmosphere and tone that like I said, is pretty unique. It's a a contemplative type of film. It's very existential. We have uh, Bardem's character constantly questioning life around him and seeing his life change through the eyes of an imperfect man basically on death's door. Our story does have two other groups of characters uh, connected to the production and operation of his knockoff business. Um, I was lucky enough in in college to visit Barcelona. I can tell you that knockoff business Mm. is booming. So, (laughs) So it's very real to life. But their involvement in the story, these other characters, these secondary characters, they seem important at first, but... More and more, uh, it's it's nowhere on the level of the story juggling we've seen previously, and more and more really become echoes uh, in his life as he kind of slowly gets laned into what's most important, which is his fatherhood. Uh, Interesting. For his remaining yeah. days. Okay. Yeah. Very serious film as well. I mean, yeah, To pair this in it for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To pair this with. Elemental and, and and the flash, which is jokes a minute you know this was this was a refreshing watch for me this week because i I really do like serious tones to it. I'll be honest, the first forty minutes is a bit slow and difficult to tell where it's going It's kind of just establishing him as a criminal yet a father and you know dealing with his wife. You know, the way the entire film unravels, you're kind of just waiting to see where the drama is leading towards. Uh, but believe it or not, prostate cancer is just one of the curveballs thrown at Bardem's character. Uh, the plot honestly shocked me with how many complications are thrown in. So, though it may feel a little directionless, Though you might have to really like Javier Bardem's acting uh, and this character work that's going on, uh, it is worth it because the film gets very complex by the end. And um, again, in relating to some of the supernatural elements connected to it some of these I mean, co- right
1: there that's a little bit of a bridge for him too yeah Get, do, dealing with okay everything's normal and then all of a sudden hints mm. and, and things are a little weird I mean think of mm. Birdman popping up absolutely things like that even, even in Bardo there was different kind of weird stuff going oh, on for sure time.
0: for sure yeah definitely the surrealism in Bardo you know how just things kind of spring to life around him in weird ways right right so. some of these conflicts are left you know slightly unresolved uh, and I think that could be a little unsatisfying for some but I honestly really enjoyed how much pressure was added to the story once it kicks off and again that first fair warning 40 minutes that sounds that's pretty substantial to right. have a kind of a pacing issue but uh, i do think it pays off because of the character work and i mean who doesn't love javier bardem he's a great actor yes
1: he i mean he does a lot of different stuff though it is a little bit of a roller coaster sure he, I mean, he does rom-coms and two right and he's sometimes he goes into spain and does stuff i mean when you go down as IMBD, it is, it's a little waffly. Yeah, true. You know, everyone, everyone sees him as Skyfall bad guy, yep, yep. something like this. Yep. You know, I don't know what else, but he does Desi Arnaz. Yeah. You know, people like him, but... <laughs> oh, he was great as Desi. He could be, he could be weird. He could be up I and agree. down.
0: Yeah. And you get that sometimes with international. Just, just, as, yeah. even just from the bird's eye, you can't see, you don't really know the quality of some of these international
1: productions. Yeah. And that could just be also the movies that sometimes he picks. I will say, if you, if he's... If he's in a serious movie like this, delivering serious lines, then you can mm-hmm. you can kind of count on him. Then yeah, big yeah. time,
0: absolutely, uh, and, and such a a center focus to the character work of this father. Uh, and it's two you know, and a half
1: hours of, I'm assuming, a lot of him, almost yes, every scene. Uh, almost every scene. Yeah. Uh,
0: again, there are these secondary characters that kind of pop in and out of his life. Sure. It, by no means is it anywhere to the type of story juggling we saw previously with, um, you know, the, the works that we've been covering with Babel and 21 Grams, so.
1: And, and now Alejandro, although there's other writers, he is also writing this, so mm-hmm. is it good? I mean, is it just, does it feel natural and everything like it that? It feels
0: very personal. And and again, I think, I think if him, there's think. any kind of connection connection to the later work this is where surrealist elements are getting put into put in uh, you know into the production yeah. or into the into the plot uh, of what we see and honestly that's that's w- what represents his later work that he is writing more and more with yeah so. big time it's just really that pacing, I think, is the ultimate—or uh, not the ultimate—but unfortunately, the the big barrier on this one, and where I would kind of agree with some of the sentiment uh, on this film. However, uh, by no means is it a bad film, but it's probably the weakest of Inaridu's films because you really just have to love spending time with Bardem's character as his life collapses. It's not exactly a good time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so uh, you gotta have—you you, kind of want a heavy drama. Again, uh, if you like any kind of supernatural spiritualism, I feel like it's done very tastefully here and uh, was really uh, how it unfolded into a much more dynamic piece. It was an easy ask for me to care as a watcher because I love Bardem as an actor, and uh, it pulled me in on this intense story of fatherhood. We're going to go ahead and give Beautiful 2010 a 66. Okay, 66. Not a bad score. Yeah. I still think for a specific day in redo's batting average is still pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah, it's he's, very good yeah he's he's up there
1: <clears throat> a couple questions for this one sure was there anything you said his mother was kind of like all natural yeah like not a fan of like modern day medicine right right was there anything that she suggested or did where you'd be like oh i would definitely do that
0: <laughs> no. i can't say <laughs> i can't say uh she's more so i it's in that point that she's casting down on the chemotherapy right, okay. and whatnot
1: you know? um and then and then another one. I think a great movie. What do you call it? I there's a word for it, and I can, literally every time we're on the podcast, I can't think of what the word is. But I so I just say in my head a double header. Like okay. what would be a great movie to pair with this movie? Oh,
0: like a double feature? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. You're close. <laughs> it's just like, you know <laughs>
1: eighty eight episodes in. It. It. We'll so call I, it a double header. <laughs> I like it, yeah. A great double header, in my opinion, to okay. this. Okay, not seeing either movie. <laughs> is uh, last holiday with Queen Latifah <laughs> where, what, she's what three weeks to live so oh really yeah she's diagnosed with something she's gonna die so
0: <laughs> gotta get Queen <laughs> Latifah you know when I think of Javier Bardem it <laughs> is <laughs> almost second nature
1: to think of Queen Latifah they should do a show together <laughs>
0: <laughs> did not we mention Queen Latifah on something we recently? did I brought the her equalizer. Up the equalizer yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: cause she's the equalizer on television but I just think you know Javier diagnosed with this you're gonna die Queen Latifah <laughs> Last holiday, you know. I would put goes, you in charge
0: get- of bundling like discount bin DVDs together. Ooh. You just tape them. That's the double header.
1: That's fun. That's actually, <laughs> that could be a really good
0: time. In alternate time. A little maybe. compilation on the site, <laughs> yeah. too.
1: I still want to do our Amnesia special.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I do, too. To my dismay.
1: <laughs> okay, 66 for a Beautiful, again. Uh, can definitely strike for you, but he kind of had to be in the mood. It's yeah. not just a sit down and let's turn this on.
0: You know, it really did uh, remind me of something we covered recently, which was Tar with Cate Blanchett. Um, not that they're hmm. even, I don't know, and not that they resemble each other at all. Uh, it's just that it was just such character work. You yeah. know what I mean? You yeah. are there for the actor uh, an actress.
1: Um, I'm looking for, speaking of bridges, I'm looking for a bridge <laughs> between this, this
0: <laughs> and our next <laughs> film. I gotta extract. Yeah,
1: talk about putting a movie on in the background that you don't have to care about or pay attention to. I think uh, this is 2020. Netflix released Extraction, mm. directed by Sam Hargrave. Mm-hmm. I think I don't know. The Russo brothers have a hand in this. Yes. They were writing it, I believe. Yep, yep. They're co-writing it, so. It's got Liam...
0: Uh, Hems- oh, no, Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth Yeah, in I it. know. Yeah. Extraction? How'd you like it? Like so, I said, I saw the first 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, unknown to me at the time, uh, next to The Gray Man 2022 that we covered, the Russo Brothers actually had a writing credit on this movie in 2020, so... I'm assuming some type of deal with Netflix. Uh, I think so. I think so. Uh, they also did that movie Cherry, so I, I don't know. Uh, I bring it up just because in the Gray Man episode, my hype for The Gray Man think- was thinking that this was the first movie they were doing since Endgame and clearly that's not the case (laughs) so um, this was also adapted from the original graphic novel by the artist Andy Parks who primarily has done a lot of work for DC this has an alternate name Uh, I forget what it is but basically uh, this is his own graphic novel separating from DC and clearly has produced two movies so good for Parks
1: there's also another film called Extraction that came out in 2015 with Bruce Willis in it oh really Um, I'm assuming unconnected.
0: <laughs> I think so. I think so. Who knows, though? <laughs> Sam Hargrave is our first-time director here, but folks, you have undoubtedly seen his work. Uh, Hargrave is a proper stunt coordinator first, uh, with over 81 films under his belt, and a surprising amount being the biggest films of the last 15 years, period. I mm-hmm. mean, this guy is 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 big money. A lot of those include the biggest Marvel films, Endgame and Infinity War included, which presumably is where he crosses paths with the Russos and, and where they linked up with this. So, like we talked about in the John Wick episodes, I like the combination of director and stunt coordinator. I think that's a recipe for success. Extraction has a very... Droll, washed out tone. It's want to be like Chris Nolan, uh, but action. It was not disappointing in. Um, mm. It's just how frequent that action comes and what it's packed in between. Basically, that's where I'm at with this film.
1: It's hard for me to watch a movie that's somewhat re- that's somewhat new mm-hmm. and watch action scenes and not think about John Wick or compare. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. I don't know. I, it, I for me, it totally makes sense that this guy comes out of no doubt big movies based mm-hmm. on co- coordinating and everything like that but it's like oh he came from like marvel and things like that yeah it makes sense yeah, because yeah. i thought it to be a little lackluster or or trying Maybe think it was better than itself. Sure. And it's it really definitely is. definitely
0: try to be super, super edgy.
1: Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if it hits. Yeah. There were
0: some cool sequences, though. Yeah. Uh, I think... Uh, it, it, I'll, I'll go into why I think some of the action is worth it, but I'm right there with you as far as the tone and bottom line, you have to sit through a movie to get to action sequences, so if the movie's not great, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> get this, though. The movie extraction is about extracting someone. <laughs> we gotta get... Uh, an extraction of a teenage boy uh, who is the son of a crime lord in Bangladesh. Um, he is kidnapped for more than just money, though. Uh, the motive of the rival gang leader is humiliation, making the handling of this hostage situ- situation chaotic and, and very unstable. Worst of all, the cri- rival crime lord absolutely runs the city in its entirety, cops and all. This brings in Chris Hemsworth as Tyler Rake, a super edgy drinker badass, oh joy. <laughs> I mean, he's, uh, talk about a 180 from his Thor performance. I mean, man. Uh, I mean, <laughs> how about well, a little life, <laughs> Chris? <I mean, laughs> it's, it's too much. <laughs> Turns out he belongs to a secret world of contract soldiers, which we stumble along when he takes high risk and high reward near impossible jobs and this being of course one of them the tone is like i said almost want to be chris nolan especially in the quiet moments of the film that are packed to the brim with this brooding, edgy character. He's not the only one either. Everyone's just like real edgy, wannabe badass. You know, it's... it's it's. I think it's too
1: in your face. And yeah. it's trying to be something or trying to think it's better than it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. And maybe that comes to the graphic novel. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's trying to be real like... Badass, the most badass movie on the block, you know, and, and it fails in that because <laughs> yeah, certainly it's, no Chris Nolan. Sure. Yeah, um, this was by far my least favorite aspect of the film, and creates a a, a damaging generic feel to everything. Um, it's also pretty drastic in its pacing. Action sequences are very high octane. And, like I'll touch on in a moment, are absolutely the reason to watch it if you do decide to watch it. But when the movie slows down, it slows down to an absolute crawl. I mean, this shit goes from boiling to lukewarm very quickly. Worst of all, the movie starts to feel formulaic in how it layers the action and these quiet moments in between, one after another. Quiet moments instead now... Play out like a waiting game of when the next you know the next fuel to the fire is going to come then, and maybe actually when do you know why you turned it off at the out at the forty I minute. Fell asleep, yeah. okay. <laughs> Presumably in one of those quiet moments.
1: Because I have the week. That's what I'm usually doing something on the website. It takes me a certain amount of time. (laughs) Like I finish up the newsletter and then it's like, okay, let's turn this on. And I last as much as I can last.
0: (laughs) Right. You're in it as long as you
1: can. When I put on something like Extraction. You know what I mean? Now, if I put on something like Lord of the Rings, even even the the animated, I'm going to make an effort here. (laughs)
0: That's great. I gotta find more Lord of the Rings content. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's how I'm keep, gonna keep get me it. awake.
1: <laughs> keep them engaged. But um, I mean, like my again, my problem was spot on on generic. Yeah. And the quickest and easiest way to sum up the film almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it makes sense because especially those slow moments that really kind of drag. It makes sense because we're getting it's coming from a guy. Who doesn't do slow? Who
0: doesn't know slow? Sure, sure. You know? So, yeah, so when these brooding moments come, come into play, it's just like, it's it's a waste. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think I'd rather them not be in it at all. I'd rather Hargrave do something like the raid and that it's just all action. Mm, just um, never
1: stops. Yeah. yeah,
0: maybe it would be exhausting and maybe that'd be, that'd be awesome. a different critique, but yeah. It'd be
1: quick. It'd be like, what? This is two hours? <laughs> yeah. <Maybe> like <laughs> an hour and 25. Right, it's right. It's just nonstop. Exactly. So. Does Chris H- Hemwards fit? And everything like that. I it would think be great so. to not hear him talk, because you're right. Everybody thinks they're so badass. <laughs> right. And edgy is very. It's, come on. Just now. the
0: opening scene with him. He's like he wakes up from a nap and like jumps off a cliff into a into a lake. Yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. like all right, okay. But while I <laughs> might not have cared for the edgy tone, uh, the action is undeniably good and has some awesome fight choreography that perfectly displays Hargrave's pedigree. First good fight scene comes in about 20 minutes in and does not disappoint. I believe that's where he first gets in contact with the kid and you have the like uh, it's like a hallway type of fight yeah close quarters
1: kind of apartment
0: yeah and uh, just I, I honestly, I was in love with the camera work, a lot of super hmm. low camera angles allowing for interesting placement uh, of the camera during the fight. There's, I, I would say among the two iconic uh, filming styles or choreographies, one is the uh, a lot of twisting movement to the camera, which lets you know, you don't really see it that often, but oftentimes the camera will twist with a takedown or mm-hmm. a punch. it'll it'll a lot of times just track. Hemsworth's hand. Right. Camera work isn't afraid to get up close with punches and grapples. And uh, like I said, often we'll track Hemsworth's hand specifically. This this translates wonderfully in highlighting just how fast takedowns feel without breaking up the action in the edit. And I think in combination with that is the edit itself. Surprising amount of action is presented in a simulated one take, which makes for some killer action sequences. Um, these one takes are easy to spot. Uh, when they're stitched together, he's not trying to really make a one take right. for these action sequences, but I feel they still they still feel great and sold me on the otherwise dry movie. Uh, I felt a lot of love was going into these action sequences for that reason.
1: I think I disagree with you. I think I'm actually a little bit disagreement. Okay. on it. I don't know. I maybe I just thought like they were a little lackluster. Okay, I, I, I don't know. Well, I, I thought I, maybe you and I could kind of, of film those scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Twist the I mean, camera. I you want to talk about there? beating up my own ass. I mean, <laughs> with, with Del Toro. But I don't know. I, it was good. I, like, better than Marvel. Sure. Be, sure. Better than Marvel. Right. I'm, not, I'm not saying, like, it's classic Marvel. Yep. Uh, whatever. Marvel foo or whatever they call it. <laughs> right, right. So it was, like, gritty. It had a grittiness yeah, yeah. to it. But again, it's just tough for me going from those, like some of those John Wick scenes, Mm. because it's so fresh in my head, Mm. and going to this, and it's like, all right, this is like twenty twenty Netflix. I just feel like it was exactly what maybe you think it would be.
0: Sure, sure, and 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 obviously, I'm tuned into it specifically just because, uh, you know, I'm I'm recognizing that Hargrave is a coordinator and director here, so maybe I'm putting too much emphasis on. I don't want to say. I don't want to say it was bad. I don't want
1: to say it was bad, but just we've had some really good action kind mm. of around, and I just think this is somewhere in there, yeah, meandering in in the middle.
0: Yeah, I take your perspective though, because you have a good eye for action, and you know where I tuned into it was that mm-hmm. action action sequence about twenty minutes in, and that's where I was really tuning into. He does like this like a a frame split. Uh, and like the camera's like basically in his crotch yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it's cool because it's tracking the the punches he, he's doing to the left and right, right it's right. twisting it's it's very dynamic yeah.
1: like I said not bad definitely not bad right um, yeah. I guess maybe I just wasn't blown away sure. and at the point of, of being blown away in John Way 4 maybe I'm expecting too much also
0: mm, true but, true going off the high mm-hmm, for yeah. sure uh, I was coming off of Sisu so I was just happy for a little bit more grounded ah, action that's right. <laughs> 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 and not tossing landmines at people's heads and so. it's 2020
1: like we'll see with Extraction 2 really i'm I'm really curious to see what gets stepped up there
0: yeah absolutely uh i really love the uh, location work uh it's a big highlight specifically uh and another great example of locations being key to good action a working theory a working daily ratings theory we'll see if we can (laughs) we can flesh it out the setting or rather setting us in this hyper busy streets of bangladesh is chaotic as a backdrop for action, but oftentimes is just straight up scary in the in its criminal underworld. Uh, mainly, what shocked me here was how often child cartel members are used, and no mm. less in action sequences. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty wild sometimes. Uh, that could be easily a praise and a knock, depending on the viewer. I, I was into Bangladesh being this chaotic city that. In addition to the, you know, the little bit of lines that you know, the cartel uh, leader runs the 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 cops, it was already chaotic enough of a city to try to think about how get how to get someone sure, out of it. Yeah. So I, I felt it worked. Good locale, you know? yep. Yeah. Everything around the action though is just pretty damn generic. Uh, I think a lot has to do with performances around Hemsworth. No one is really giving it their all, especially on his mission team specifically, which unfortunately we continue with for some reason, into into Extraction too, So maybe worst of all is our main villain, who doesn't really look the part and especially doesn't feel menacing like he should. Uh, this was reminding me of the same problem in 2019's The Gentleman, where the main villain is just not doing it. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, identical kind of critique that's just... I mean, the villain wouldn't have elevated this anymore because they probably just would have made him super gritty. Right. The villain is better in two, though, so I can't help but feel that that was a, a, a you know a key reason why this wasn't hitting as well. Okay. So, I'll be honest, Tom, uh, pre-podcast, you could not get me to watch this if you held a gun to my head. <laughs> if Hemsworth <laughs> if held a gun to know, my head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm talking this, The Old Guard, Six Underground, Red Notice, mm-hmm. Triple Frontier, mm-hmm. this... The list goes on, honestly. All are Netflix fodder that is forgotten as soon as it is shoveled out. But contrary to some of my cynical thoughts, I don't think this was too bad. And surprisingly, the action choreography grabbed my attention enough for the sequel. We're going to go ahead and give Extraction 2020 a 59. Okay, 59. Yeah, I got to say, I still have to say
1: it's like... Exactly where we come out a lot of these Netflix releases yeah. here. This is Ryan Reynolds' Middleway Schlock. Because yep. technically, it's a movie that that's you know, it's got some razzle-dazzle sure. to it, but there's mm-hmm. just not that much other than that. Yeah. Um. But 59%, again, it is something to just throw on kind of in the background. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's big right now. I think there was one day, at least I know, where Extraction and Extraction 2 were like number one and two most oh, really? watched okay. on Netflix. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what they say at least. Right. I was just about to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they let us know. Right. You know. <laughs> uh, Before we jump into the second film there, let's just remind people that we are going off the value-for-value model. So, if you you're new to the podcast and everything like that we don't want to deal with corporate advertising we don't want to go ahead and, and just pitch a bunch of products to you waste your time with that what we want to do is kind of set up something different value for value which means so Vin and I host this podcast here mm. Vin watches the movie every week we have a newsletter that comes out every Tuesday morning we have the website as a companion to it kind of just like a it's we're making our own IMBD slash Rotten Tomatoes mm. kind of of all our own content and the point is that's creating value and if it's enough value to you that you would appreciate it, you're getting something from it, enjoyment from it, whatever, uh, then we appreciate if you give us back some value. And how you do that is you go to the thedailyratings.com, you head over to the donations tab, and through your monetary support, uh, you become a producer of the daily ratings. And that's showing us that you're getting some value here. When you become a producer, along with your donation you sent in, you go ahead and write out a note, you send that along with your donation, and we're going to read it here on the podcast, whether it's questions, comments, critiques, love or hate, or, or whatever. If any comments your questions you have for yeah, us basically. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of how we're setting up this model. We're early on, so you know we don't expect donations here every week. We're, we're going from an audience of zero and building slowly and slowly and slowly. So the more you listen or the more you find yourself enjoying it, that's value right there. That's value in your pocket. <laughs> Could you give us some value in our pocket? Uh, again, it's kind of cool because we just we consider you an uh, official producer. You're going to mm-hmm. mention on the episode as well. And uh, we love the in, dialogue. In the podcast notes. We absolutely love we the dialogue. We really
0: love the dialogue, especially if there's is any kind of value to uh, you finding new movies, following along with the director's study, and like we always say, throw and the critiques. Some coutines. people do, yeah. You know, we're we're happy to if you if you hate my opinions, guess what? There's a way for yes, you to hear, for me to hear it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, we're approaching episode one hundred, so. We have got a lot from our back catalog that we're slowly trying to get on the site, although mm-hmm. it's very slowly getting it on the site. But when we hit that episode 100, man, that's 500 yeah. films.
0: Right. On recorded. On recorded.
1: Yep. I mean, it's it's a lot of films that yep. watches every week.
0: <laughs> about.
1: So basically, again, it's at thedailybradings.com and go to the donations tab. Now, if you're interested in the weekly newsletter for all the fun stuff that's in there, you go to the bottom of the website, you put in your name and email, uh, you confirm it, and you're good to go. Again, that's Tuesday morning. So that's kind of how we're doing things. Again, we. That Definitely say we have some new listeners, so we appreciate you all so much. DailyRatings.com, head to the donations tab. You can become a producer today. All right. With that, Vin, let's go on to our three newly released. We'll get into it right away. This is Extraction Mm 2. Let's see how things are kind of bumped up. I will say, from my understanding, it's the same budget. As one. Oh, really? So I'm interested to see what the kind of how it feels or anything. Like it does it feel bigger and badder? Mm, Anyway, Extraction Two. Chris Hemsworth is back along with the same director. What do we have?
0: Yeah. uh, So normally I wouldn't rush to a new Netflix release. I just wouldn't rush to cover it. But I thought it was it was a good good two slot that I could really knock out here. Uh, To my dismay, uh, (laughs) there is (laughs) there is some sequel bait at the end of this. So I think um, what common theme lately? Yeah, Netflix. Is, is gunning for this to be a little bit more than two. Well, I thought it was a nice two spot, but nope. <laughs> I'm
1: almost glad we're covering it. I mean, hey, it, it is big right now on Netflix. Yeah, It yeah. is grabbing the attention, so at least we're covering it. Yeah. And when three comes out, you don't need to do one and two anymore. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I get it done.
0: Uh, we are back with the identical production team. Uh, Sam Hargrave is directing and the Russo brothers writing once again. Uh, and this is largely a sequel I think no one was asking for. but No. Like I said, the first film had some substance where it counted most in the action choreography. Picking up as a direct sequel to Extraction One's story, Hemsworth is rescued from near death and questioning in his moody edgy way why he continues to walk forward at all. He's really, I mean, he's really an edge lord. He really I mean, he's <laughs> you know, give him give him some Linkin Park to listen to in his in his headphones and he's 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 at home. Basically, yeah, I mean, <laughs>
1: I'm finding I really not a fan. Yeah, the the tone the here actor.
0: is the oh of the actor.
1: Uh, yeah, Chris Hemsworth and total. Yeah. Yeah, like so, I don't like the Thor character. Yeah. And I don't like him really in the other stuff he does. Right. Much right. unlike a t- Channing Tandem where I kind of like him. Sure, I think he's just like this dumb jockey douche, almost. Yeah, I like him as an
0: actor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then honestly, I can't, I can't stick up for Hemsworth because he was in that uh, other Netflix movie, Spiderhead, which was a little bit different in the middle of jokey and oh, serious. Yeah, and yeah. he wasn't good in that bit either. Bit of a letdown. Yeah, yeah we yeah. like his
1: brother more. Yeah, he's in Snowpiercer, right?
0: Uh, I think so, or maybe the show. I want to say the show. Okay. Yeah. Oh,
1: I thought he was the main guy. Well, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the show's not the show's not good. All right. <laughs> That's what I've heard as
0: well. Uh, but uh After all the heroics and the impossible feats of the last film, like it or not, he has a huge reputation that now attracts yet another job. Uh, This job is to extract a mother and her children from a Russian radical group, but comes from a past personal relationship that sparks his fire to push onward at least for one to maybe two more movies. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, folks, I would say that you can jump right into this one if you have any interest. Watching the first one gave little Context and by no means is required, and I'll come right out and say it. And this is a slightly better sequel. So okay, uh, jump. You know, go go right for the meat. Basically, you don't have to worry about the first one. Yeah,
1: not too much ketchup or anything like that. Exactly, yeah. and
0: I think that's also why it really didn't crack 60s for me as well that it, you know if this was maybe required to watch the second one mm. maybe maybe you know it goes there but right. uh once again this hyper moody brooding tone has come back with a vengeance and little is done to improve upon it we get some more insight into Hemsworth's characters past where it was only wispy flashbacks uh hinting towards a motivation in the first movie and regardless of the tone it just still slows these scenes to a crawl with no real answers once all is said and done and the answers that this film gives us honestly are kind of brushed past and it's just like well then why why characterize mm-hmm. this character this you know hemsworth's character at all like this i mean i get that it's based off of the the graphic novel but something different something small can be done to make this brooding tone not as painful or not as generic to get through. Um,
1: I mean, yeah, it does reek of genericness. Yeah. I mean, anyone who picks it up, I think is going to almost have that thought going.
0: Exactly. Luckily we do shed one problem from the past film. We get an awesome villain this time around. This radical Russian cult is menacing and has a lot more intimidating forces to throw at our protagonists. Going back to just the last review, I praise the chaotic feel of the gangs in the last film, but here we get so much more amped-up stakes through amped-up arms of war. This Russian radical group is a real threat, and you feel it a lot more intensely than just some some kids with revolvers in the alley. Mm. Yes, that's chaotic. Yes, mm-hmm. that's dangerous in an extraction scenario, but having an actual armed force, you know, more gun variety, more vehicle work, and a lot more reckless enemies it was a was a good piece that kind of fell into place with extraction too. Okay. On that note, the action does feel the same, but has a lot more production behind it. I honestly thought the budget ballooned with this. I didn't really look into it,
1: but I mean you would think honestly, but everything I found on it, it's right around the same. They're right around high sixty millions. Like I was seeing for I was seeing the first one with sixty five million. With distraction two, I saw seventy, but I saw sixty-five as well. Wow. So right there in the same vicinity kind of.
0: Interesting. And the reason why I I find that interesting is just because there's so much more vehicle work with this one, with that how that one take happened. Mm. I'm imagining uh, you know the little bit of film knowledge I do have uh, it, you know I'm imagining huge rigs attached to all these all these cameras and all all these vehicles uh.
1: And that's the question I mean are practical effects? What is the expensive thing? Is, right. Like, is it the CGI or the yeah. car chase is easy to do? Sure, all I got to do is buy some cars and not have <laughs> to deal with so much digital edi- ed- editing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's I really don't know the the nitty gritty of
0: it. Sure, sure. uh But once again, it, it this has it where it counts. Uh, the camera work locks to Hemsworth's movements, uh leaning in for takedowns. I really enjoyed just how much it. It clearly just is tracking is his fists, and I feel like that just makes for good scenes in action Uh, you feel the takedowns as they happen we have these pseudo one take sequences again which are a delight to watch specifically there's a car chase that is really elevated because of this style I mean it would have been just any other car chase but because this one take is now weaving in and out of cars uh, weaving into the inside of cars uh, and snapping to where the attention is in this chase sequence I think it it elevates it quite a bit Mm. there's 100% 100 percent a prison riot scene that is ripped off from 2022's RRR uh, still great but a total ripoff uh, so <laughs> uh, I'll have to I'll have to flag that on the website somehow <laughs> with with rip-offs <laughs> it, it's just a great action sequences with how the how or great action sequence with how the choreography works Kills are a lot more gruesome and a lot more brutal here and gunfights in particular feel... A bit more video gamey, in a good way. There is a sequence on an escape train that is... It not only feels like a classic shoot 'em up level, but also is 10 out of 10 the best fight sequence out of these two movies. It was awesome. Okay, uh, okay. I really enjoyed uh, pretty much all of the main I fight sequences. Again, it has the same problem that you have these spikes of high-octane action... And what is followed up or what is bookending them uh, in between or what is sandwiching them is just such a boring, gritty, wannabe badass movie. Yeah, yeah. It is badass when the action is there. Yeah. It just – there's not enough. <laughs> I mean –
1: Right, because when it's not, it's just not. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it, it, it's real conflicting. Um, I would say this one alone for that train sequence lands a little bit higher. Reminded me of some of the very interesting fight choreography you would see in Hardcore Henry, that how Hardcore Henry used this first person perspective mm-hmm. to. Uh, design basically how the action was going to play out in just the same way these pseudo one takes these uh you know being locked to hemsworth's movements it is inspiring the action in this one a lot more uh, than even the first film Hmm. i have to say 2023 probably will go down as a year for horror films above all else but action lovers are eating good between this, John Wick 4, Sisu, and hopefully a Gareth Evans project if it doesn't get pushed this year, it's been a really solid That's year right. for action. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Been really so- I think it's called Havoc. I don't know. I think that's a Netflix. Okay, we'll keep our eye on it then. Yeah, I would love to do a Gareth Evans special. Uh, if
1: it was in pro- if it was this far in production and maybe the writing was already done mm. so it was going the filming. Sure. Who knows?
0: Yeah, who knows? But I think it's a solid year. Even Equalizer 3 and Expendables 4, while I don't think they're going to be good, it's still big action IPs coming out this year. I feel like it's giving horror a run for its money of what was
1: easily, you know... Well, as far as IPs and, and box office ticket sales,
0: yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah.
1: I mean, Mission Impossible. Uh,
0: sure, you know, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So... I thought this film still had some misses, but it did not disappoint with slick action in a Netflix release that is easy to throw on. We're going to go ahead and give Extraction 2 a 62. Okay, okay, 62. Getting it, okay. A little, <laughs> A little bit better. A little bit better. A little bit better. I would say yeah, if it know. wasn't for the action, if it wasn't for some of the action sequences specifically, it would not crack 60s. Right. But again,
1: yeah. maybe just go ahead and jump into this one if it's just – you want to turn your brain off at the end yeah. of the day. Maybe, and maybe want some skip
0: f- to just the action sequences. <laughs> It's it's, it's sacrilegious for me to say. It's it's recommending movies in their entirety. Right, right. right. (laughs) Get a highlight reel for this
1: one. I want to talk just a little bit about Netflix in general. Sure. The Gray Man cost $200 million. (laughs) Red Notice, the one that no one talked about ever with The Rock and Gal Gadot (laughs) and Ryan Reynolds, that was $200 million. Wow. Six Underground with Ryan Reynolds was $150 (sighs) million. Triple Frontier yep. was one hundred fifteen million dollars. What? Yeah. what have, no one watched Triple Frontier. <laughs> no Has one. anyone even heard of it? <laughs> the Midnight Sky. Oh, I, with, don't, I, um, I really don't know. Um, now. Uh, good-looking guy, that everyone likes George Clooney. <laughs> hundred hundred million dollars. <laughs> right. The extractions that nobody wanted. Right around you know a hundred and thirty yeah. combined.
0: Yeah. Combined.
1: Just no one was asking for it. No yeah. one needs it. No one enjoys them. They're mm. not good movies, and it's so much money that each person could save multiple dollars <laughs> like potentially even per month right if not even just per year and it's like i with the rising rates on netflix yeah. i just want to say it's cool guys like right. you don't need to do all the content right. your own just pick the battles better yep uh, i just they're rising and rising in price because they want to do bigger and badder movies, mm-hmm. and they're not doing a good job mm-hmm. at understanding good cinema. Yeah, you know.
0: I mean, I can understand Netflix as a the first to the to the to the pond uh, at needing their own content in case everyone pulls their own IPs off of it. But I think at this point, yeah, uh, smarter with but their spending. Just pick I, some winners. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I
1: mean, I mean, if you take. Netflix comes out with so much but take the big blockbuster films yep. you know what I mean I mean their their win ratio or their percentage their overall percentage of what they would be mm-hmm. if we were to rate everyone I mean come on it would be mm. it would be in the dirt yeah terrible mm-hmm. I love the first one. First one they came out with was um uh, what was it Commandant oh um <laughs> what is Adris Elba, <laughs> uh,
0: uh, Beast of No Nation, of no- oh phenomenal, a g- phenomenal yeah, movie. And yeah. I
1: was like, okay, wow. we, we have Netflix another. Is a player, right? Now. A player, yeah. Now it's like, what? Yeah. We move into the Ryan Reynolds movie? No, no. <laughs> here you go. It's another one. You want more? I'm Sandler, sure,
0: right. right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I'm totally with you,
1: and and I mean, that's a great hundreds, example. Beasts of No Nation's
0: phenomenal yeah, movie.
1: Hundreds of millions of dollars to the point yeah. where it's probably billions. Oh, that could sure. just Like, just please give us the money back. We don't need the film.
0: I, I think I, I think it's great commentary too because it really is on people's minds about this raising rates with with Netflix. Yeah,
1: um, well, because it's just like it's starting to get up there now. Yeah, I mean, and is well, it
0: worth it? Is the content, dude? Worth
1: over it? two over twenty bucks a month. Mm. Mm, come on, man. I mean, yeah. it's it's
0: we don't. I'm a sucker for that new Black Mirror though. <laughs> Oh, you should have watched it. Uh, yeah, little by little. I got two episodes under my I'm belt. I'm not the so. biggest
1: fan of it. I just don't like Jesse too much, the actor. Oh, from, really? Uh, okay. Breaking Bad. He, yeah, he's he's grading for me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, okay. Anyway, so that's Extraction Two with a sixty-two percent. Let's keep things moving on here. This is a, a, a big release from Pixar. This isn't <laughs> just straight to Disney Plus. It's it's a proper in theater film. Right. This is Elemental, directed by Peter Sohn, who we know from The Good Dinosaur. <laughs> what you, what, are you laughing? <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing. Okay. At the Good Dinosaur. Not the Good Dinosaur was I don't know. It was at the edge right before Disney. started. Yeah, yeah like yeah. really started to tank. But. <laughs> (laughs) It is their big one. This is big Disney Pixar release. Let's get into Elemental, Vin. How did you like
0: it? (laughs) Well, my opening note is this Pixar joint is directed by the man that brought you the most forgettable movie of 2015, (laughs) The Good Dinosaur. (laughs) No, that's not. That doesn't take as you would say the. I
1: don't think that has the crown. No, it doesn't have the crown. We had some crap that came out last year. Yeah,
0: true, true. Strange World. Oh yeah, Lightyear. Lightyear alone. uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, And I really can't say this didn't meet expectations though because from. The trailer, this film looked like the most forgettable shit I've ever seen. Uh, it's like opposites attract elements. All right. Okay. <laughs> like, I get Pixar is able to work wonders with the simplest of topics, but this just looks so surprisingly baby. So, so surprisingly goo goo gaga. You know? Right. It right. was really, it didn't feel like the good for kids good for adults pixar trademark that they're known for you okay. know? there is a, a a familiar personification of these characters that just feels so straightforward right there's just like okay yeah the fire one is fiery got it okay right right you know <laughs> <laughs> folks uh, this was a watch with mama daily uh, after the tragedy of seeing Bo is afraid with her uh, you know? of course yes she still refers to it as brian is running which, <laughs> which is, is right. fantastic yeah. <laughs> uh tom we're in the theater right and she goes vincent these people, they're, they're a little too grown to be seeing this. <laughs> <laughs> she could just not wrap her head around adults seeing Pixar, a Pixar movie, period. <laughs> She's just totally shitting on them. I was like, I love that. <laughs> That's going in the review. That's good. Our setting is El- Element City, uh, a New York-like melting pot where four elements coexist together. Fire, water, earth, and air. Uh, It's a straightforward romance telling the old love story of opposites attract as a young fire girl named Ember and a water guy named Ripple get to know each other and get to know each other, get to know their ways specifically. There's a lot of focus in this film of kind of understanding the other side of the tracks, understanding what another perspective on life may be. Uh, We focus primarily on Ember and her experiences living in the city as an immigrant family uh, much like the Pixar film Turning Red from last year, uh, family pressure and expectations, specifically in an Im- immigrant family, is the conflict of the story, which uh, I-, I think is worthwhile exploring. Just maybe not so in a once again generic package. Mm. Generic is the is the word <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> But understanding proves to be the best solution as Ripple is able to show Ember a new way of looking at the world. Tom, uh, I-, I may have an all-time great comparison here. This is like the baby version Ooh. of 1989's Do the Right Thing. <laughs> this well, is trying to tackle like de facto racism in a kid's movie, for sure. Uh, uh, this is are- like the city everyone hates each other maybe not hates each other but uh, it's really trying mm-hmm. to tell the message of understanding is the way through conflict uh, and that's do the right thing because uh, <laughs> uh, Spike yeah, Lee yeah, deserves literally. a writing credit on this now that movie you
1: liked <laughs> right, I right. Mean, that, yeah that was almost a must watch I think oh absolutely I I, I... I mean, I'm not surprised about that. Yeah, it's like, oh,
0: of course. Like, uh, uh, what are we talking about in the media? I don't know. <laughs> right, right. And it's a I, laziness, right? I, I, I think so. Uh, I, it's just so on the nose with these elements conflicting, and and it's 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 a little odd as well. I kid you not. Ember's father openly hates all water people. Oh my god! Uh, you I know, have. the fire people have like an Ellis Island experience. There's uh, active <laughs> fire prejudice around it's the so city. Dumb. Yeah, it's so freaking dumb. <laughs> it's not. Not great. It's it's really not great. Um, this allows for the subject matter of of what they're trying to get at to be treated with kid gloves, and by no means does the film try to seriously tackle the messy subject of racism. But through an animated movie, it does want to show the positive outcome of tolerance and understanding each other. Yes, you can't show a kid do the right thing. There is a lot of profanity in that uh, and right. violence. <laughs> right. Uh, but I just feel like. That's the sub message that this is trying to tackle. And on the surface, it's just like the most generic romance possible. I just feel like they could have done more. If they really want to tackle this, this was almost felt like an afterthought uh, to say, hey, we got a lot of, we got a lot of different people in this city. I wonder what cities are like, (laughs) you
1: know, I mean, it's just... I bet it wasn't an afterthought (laughs) with that kind of crap. I don't know. Yeah. What's annoying is it's just like I could spend so much time on it, Mm -hmm. but it seems so lazy. You could go about it in such better ways that it's almost opening doors or opening conversations that this is how things are in the world and they don't have to be this way when in reality you could just be like showing good people, doing good things sure, and not have it so like... Down your see, throat. See, everybody hates each other but <laughs> there's elements of good out there. Right.
0: And I think that's what kind of cre- turned my stomach a little bit with uh, the depiction of Ember's father. Like, he's he's supposed to be... Kind of a good guy. He's also kind of the antagonist, just like the mother was in Turning Red. Mm. This like family expectation uh, yeah. villain, if you will. <laughs> if it's not a villain, you know. But tell
1: you about uh, I, I tell you about it, Turning Red. Too. Oh
0: boy, <laughs> I picked the scab. <laughs> well, the
1: <laughs> oh boy. No, I, no. It's it's we reviewed it in the podcast. Yep. Uh, I was positive you were not uh, correct. Yep. I think I, I think I did give it a, I gave it a shoe and a lace. Maybe I forget. <laughs> right. uh, the more I think about it, the more I hate it though. Actually, <laughs> uh, so I already wasn't so hot on it, and now I'm even more, uh, more not right. so hot. And and I think it's just like again, there's actually undertones of messaging going on where I'm not a fan of. Hmm. Like in Turning Red, it was almost normalizing, like oh, you're gonna naturally. Go through periods of you're going to hate your mom because yeah. that's, that's what little girls do. Sure. And that's just fine because eventually you'll come back together. It almost was like was cool with that. Mm. And it's just like, yeah, but what if you don't say that's a normal thing? Like, right. why is that the thing that should be strived for? Yeah. Hat- yeah. Hatred with your parent just to come back in the end. How about we just don't touch on that. Right. And <laughs> things are good, but then yeah. you can have problems elsewhere. Sure, life. sure. You know what I mean? That's the yeah. thing. It's just like bringing racism and that kind of stuff to the attention and elemental. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. we get it. We get you putting a positive spin on the end, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it either, let's be honest. But going up, it's not, no, not, it's not like you're lying about it. No, no. sure no. it's an underlying thing. Uh, it,
0: it abso- and, I mean, if only in this uh, depiction of the fire people in the city. Again, they have, <laughs> <laughs> They have op- you know, there's signs saying no fire people. They have an Ellis Island, you know, renaming experience. You know, it, it's just, uh, I mean, it's all over it. And believe me, I, I have no problem with maybe tacking, tackling an immigrant story. That's kind of where I did uh, at sure. least enjoy some of Turning Red, but here it's just, uh, I'm 100% with you, it's taking an otherwise fine character and making them overly villainous in a way that probably isn't going to be relevant to a kid or even or, the adults. Or modern
1: day what kids are going to deal with in real life, let's be honest. Yeah, right, because right. don't forget, after the theater ends then... What are the questions like in the cars? Sure. What are these little children? Yeah. As you just said, it was a very child movie too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the kids now saying? Just like, boy, was it ever like that here, or what, you know, what's <laughs> right. going on in there? Or do they think that's kind of how life is now if things are different? And right. that's just these feelings that these little kids have now, being in a big city or whatever. Again. It just seems like it's normalizing bad things, mm. and because like, but no, 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 we're putting a positive spin at the end of it, right? Like it's making it okay. You still have to. And I disagree because we're dealing with kids, right? You right. know what I mean? Yeah,
0: I, I, I'm I'm with I you at least in in terms of it's it's creating a problem where otherwise it it didn't really need to make a problem out of characters, you know? Right. So yeah, Spike Lee, make sure to get the writing credit on this one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, between this and uh, Lightyear being a baby version of Nolan's Interstellar, I'm I'm keeping. My Line, you Pixar. I know what you're digging into the well. You're like, oh, but what if we do this? No one's seen that in years.
1: <laughs> and they are, don't forget, Toy yeah. Story Five's coming out. Oh, yeah. Zootopia, Zootopia 2. Yep. And uh, Frozen 3. Yep. In the, because they can't come up with any decent right, the other The creatively
0: properties. bankrupt era of Pixar, for sure. <laughs> Spend- 9, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right, right. My main praise for this is actually the soundtrack, uh, which is kind of cool. It, it kind of felt like Fifth Element in a way. Um, this like city blend, this melting pot, goes into uh, how the music is. Um, it's kind of slightly Indian, Middle Eastern inspired. Uh, the score is a blend of stylings that honestly is a perfect match for the message, for the positive message of the film, and uh, it was, was was a highlight. I would say, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to really grass for straws here but it, I, I did enjoy the music I, I took I took a couple notes on it So, but for real Tom this movie is so bland and such a simple one note concept uh, I mean I understand these concepts will be new to kids but every plot point you would expect in this type of story is played out you know the love across the train tracks uh, you know it feels old hat even for Pixar but especially right, for right. Disney you know I can't help but feel like Pixar is just constantly being dragged down by disney in this in this in this kind of mm. sphere um this is the epitome of Pixar in their creative bankrupt era, like I said, and things are only getting worse with that looming toy Story five so. Granted, this is nowhere as bad as what we saw last year with Lightyear. Uh, At least this is trying to do its own thing. It's trying to be a new IP, but contrary to how this was released and even how you opened up, Tom, um, I just think this could have been straight to Disney Plus for how straightforward Mm, it really is. Uh, We're going to go ahead and give Elemental a 50 on a dot.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. A rare 50. Yeah, a rare 50. And that's Uh, low for Pixar for Pixar. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I
0: mean... Apart from Lightyear. Lightyear, <laughs> I thought, was oh, particularly that's true. If you bad. look at
1: the modern uh, – Strange World, I don't think did so high. Yeah, either. true. Okay, so modern day – maybe it's modern day Pixar. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the new bar. Um, wow. Okay, 50%. Yeah.
0: I, I really wanted to come into this and enjoying it more because, again, it was a new IP. I think I probably mentioned that with the Strange World re- review. Right. I want to give these things a chance. I want Pixar to strike gold yet again, but uh, we're, we're not there. Uh, and this wow. ain't it Okay, <laughs> this all right. is a Disney Plus watch if that
1: so. <laughs> uh, by the way music credit um, Thomas Newman okay. was the main guy who did the score worked with music he also worked on things like he was a composer for 1917 oh for worked real worked stuff on Spectre and Skyfall oh, that's awesome. so he definitely has a name behind him interesting like Oscar noms and things like that maybe
0: Randy Newman's long lost son I don't know
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, his father was notable film score composer Alfred Newman actually
0: oh okay there's too many Newmans in I know
1: good. okay so 50% for Elemental. Sorry, wasn't so hot. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Let's keep it going. Oh, <laughs> uh, we'll keep it going here. This is the one, this is the talk of the town. <laughs> Ezra Miller adds the flash in The Flash. Mm. Much anticipated for good for bad. Sure, let's just get into it as a film, though. Vin, how did you joy enjoy the Flash?
0: Uh, it's it's complicated. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll mention this later in the review, but I'm really torn between three very separate scores on this. Very okay. Yeah, uh, and man, it's just because. who man, does this film make its own bed? I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll tell you what. <laughs> uh, jokes aside, folks, uh, Ezra Miller not being in prison has. No sway on my opinions with this film, uh, even though he should definitely probably be behind bars. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mention this because there is a lot of bashing online around Ezra's performance being tainted for viewers, no less because he's playing two versions of himself in this. This factor has outright hijacked certain reviews, missing the point if the movie was good or not. That is going to be uh, your own personal tolerance if it actually bothers you. As a critic... I, I'm a strong believer that art is separate than artist, and my judgment on this movie is for the movie alone. Uh, believe me, this doesn't yeah. th- this doesn't paint any uh, this this movie in any better of a light. Let me say that this movie <laughs> fails on its own in a lot of ways. But.
1: Yeah, and I would say too, like I th- would say we have our limits. It's not like you know after the after the Cosby rape allegations come <laughs> out, we're not going to go review his old comedy albums. Right, right. There's a limit, you know what yeah. I mean. So <laughs> I think. For what this film is and still how big it is and the budget behind it and the talk of the town, right. if we're going to watch it, which I think we should, mm-hmm. uh, no, let's, how is the film? Yeah. How yeah. is the film? I think, exactly. And I think we're good at that. We can cut through kind of the BS that's Absolutely.
0: going on. Absolutely. It's
1: a lot going on. I mean, tell you what, there is a lot going on with this film. And yeah. I mean, inside the movie. Now, oh, I'm right, right. About, yeah. Of
0: course. Of course. It's kind of insane that this is our first real f- Flash movie, and for Flash comic stories, uh... You know, this really just jumped in the deep end. Uh, Flashpoint um, is what this is based off of and largely considered the most famous and best Flash standalone comic that's out there. Hmm. Uh, this story was also key to the real-world comic book reset that DC had along other, alongside other stories like Crisis on Infinite Earths. It's, it's honestly very appropriate for this to be Uh, Shedding light on how the DCU will be continuing forward. I can say I would have liked maybe a little bit more of a definitive baton pass to the DCU. Uh, somewhere in this film, but uh, it is it is dealing with multiverses, as you know. I'm sure everyone is sick of by now, <laughs> right? Right. Um, and gives the potential for variations to exist and coexist uh, without scratching your entire universe. So, does
1: it doesn't matter that it doesn't do much of a pass ad- of a baton? Because mm. this is one of going to be our dropped yeah things, though, right? Yeah. Because once when DC picks back up again, no one's going to care about this movie. Um, it, it, it matters. In no way. Correct? Yeah,
0: very true. Very true. And I think the the best this does is make it easy to say, okay, yeah, that old stuff doesn't matter. But at least it can kind of coexist in the mm, infinite possibilities I of see, all I these see. comic book stories. Okay. You know? For the vocal fans of DC, constantly defending themselves against Marvel, uh, this is really the last hurrah for the spy, uh, for the Snyderverse. <laughs> I almost said Spiderverse. Yeah. <laughs> that that Snyderverse, you know, I mean, they these hardcore DC fans, they love it. They defend the grittiness. They defend Batman killing people. You know, <laughs> so I I am personally not one of them, but this is a last hurrah for them. Aquaman two is looking pretty self contained as a story. And this brings in a lot of love for the existing heroes so far. Uh, you know, like it or not, there is a definitive core fan base for that. Uh, as at least as big as the movement for Release the Snyder Cut. Um, right, <laughs> right. There's at least that many fans <laughs> of Snyderverse.
1: Can I make it a comparison? Sure. One of my Tom comparisons that are either <laughs> spot on or completely off. You got a lot this <laughs> Is this like, um, this is like Magic the Gathering players <laughs> versus Yu Gi Oh players? Ooh, wow. Like, like Yu Gi ohs is a thing. Yeah. It makes money. They're out there. Right. Magic mm. the Gathering's where it's at.
0: Maybe DC's Magic, maybe Marvel's Pokemon, perhaps. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I won't spend too much time on it. You know? Just trying to connect to the people. Yeah, here, the people you know, other
0: stuff. nerd culture references for nerds <laughs> that will only get it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my point in saying all this <laughs> for the Snyderverse is that I-, I I will happily say this is probably the best goodbye for the S- Snyderverse. Hmm. So if you find yourself a fan of, at minimum, Snyder's cut of Justice League, um, you know, this is a cool late-era story with established events to call back to, heroes in full swing... Uh, And finally giving us a glimpse of what the Justice League might have felt like in continuing films, how they would have a play to that. So, a slight upside, honestly. Okay. And like I said, you know, it may not be my bag, but you know, again, uh, there's at least a core fan base at least as big as the um, as the Snyder Cut, release the Snyder Cut movement. Uh, I think those people are going to be eating this up. At least I think.
1: I think so. it's also because we're Marvel ones pumped out constantly. Mm. With with DC, you just don't get as many films
0: either. True, you know what I mean. True, very so true. You're just naturally going to have more interest in these individual films. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the flash, though, Barry Allen searches to undo the reality that took away his mother. Unlike Bruce Wayne, he is more naive and can't see how this event made him to the hero he is today. Uh, he travels back in time to change one small thing and dives headfirst into the consequences of time travel. Most of all, he encounters a younger, pre-superpowered Barry Allen that complicates him getting back to the past. But the past holds more than just the Flash's relationships, as past allies and villains create new problems in the multiverse. We do get some very special inclusions of past DC films and alternate reality superheroes which are heavily marketed towards, but honestly, I am on the fence about talking about. I think a good rule of thumb is that if it is in the trailer, it's safe to talk about, but I thought the multiple trailers spoiled this entire film for me. I mean the entire runtime Mm. between the four primary cuts of this trailer, probably more with TV spots. So, you know, folks, you may want me to talk about some of the big reveals coming, coming into this story, but they are far too late in the story for me to say they aren't spoilers. Okay. You okay. know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that's fine. You take it however, whatever yeah. you're comfortable with on that one.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd rather talk about some of their inclusion and how it works in, in the film. Yeah. Because if there's any reason to be hype around it, it's for their inclusion and for the first time, reveal of that. You know what I mean? I,
1: I do. And I will say, there's. I feel like I know a little bit about the film. Sure. And knowing about, I think, some of things happening... Mm-hmm. that I know you probably want to talk about or characters that you would want to talk about sure. maybe even ra- reasons why you didn't like it Right, right. but that's where it's you take it however you want yeah
0: I think I think for the scope of the you know scope of this review listen if um, if there's any any way that you avoid the trailers for this monstrosity of a film there is enjoyment again for the DC fans mm-hmm. coming to see yeah. this uh, overall I thought the nostalgia shit was just way too much though <laughs> uh, like characters say lines that are shoveled out for fan reactions, and no joke, it only compounds as the plot progresses, uh, with the worst save for the very end. Mm. Uh, it is on par with Spider-Man No Way Home in how it can feel like the editing is warping around, giving time in the theater audience to cheer for at most cynically marketing material, you but hated also hated this for no yeah, way at home. Yeah. I
1: wasn't a fan either. I mean a sure, thing.
0: Sure. It it really feels like the edit gives time just for these fan reactions. And watching it after the fact, uh, you can spot it a mile away. Yeah. There is a similar Circling the drain aspect, this movie is surprisingly slow being called The Flash, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) which of course creates real estate for more callback content, more nostalgia bait, uh, but is far weaker for it. This uh, circle the drain aspect is what I mainly critique No Way Home over, and surprisingly... I'm alright with the time travel in the film. It's mm-hmm. mostly because it all goes bad. You know, I'm I'm alright because it's like none of it flies, basically. Right. <laughs> he he falls on his face because of this time travel. It had me comparing it to No Way Home for all the worst reasons. How the plot just wastes. Time for more real estate of fan callbacks.
1: Yeah, and I'll say it again. That's what No Way Home really dragged down for you. And a big comment of kind of your takeaway from that was laziness almost. Yeah. It's like it's just almost too easy. Low-hanging fruit yeah, yeah. and leaning into it big time. And I would say more in this, mm-hmm. even more so than than No Way Home. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I I honestly, I just wouldn't be, again, peeking at the split between three scores, I I wouldn't be consistent if I didn't judge this like No Way Home mm -hmm. uh, because... Uh, you know, both are just <laughs> equally as nauseous uh, as uh, as 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 each other with with this <laughs> nostalgia based shit. Ezra Miller is a highlight though, playing two Barry Allens and might actually be one of the best parts. Um, uh, the Flash is a super jokey character if you've ever come across it in any kind of media, a younger version of himself. Uh, working as the idiot works surprisingly well. I also love the Flash as a character, period. And on my note of this being a late-era comic story, we see him have many powers not shown before that are just awesome. Mm. Uh, The Flash is really at, like what the flash is meant to be. That's just that's just great to see. I feel like that's a serious win for this film being the only flash movie we're probably gonna get in forty years or something like that. <laughs> you, know? you know, having him need a huge amount of calories is a fun limitation this movie cooks up. And I honestly wish they even used it even more. We see a lot of cool applications of his powers, even if the story does kind of put him on ice at times for this kind of real estate of nostalgia bait. Mm-hmm. Two berries in the story gives the story some heart. You know, their motivations to save their mom are the same. And the driving force for the film is, you know, is never out of sight for that reason. I would say Ezra Miller is probably on the screen a good 85% of the time. He's never really off the screen. So having two of that character. And being driven by the same goals, I think that's good work for a standalone flash.
1: Story. It could be impressive, yeah, yeah because yeah. you can almost see it's just you can be done with this guy twenty minutes yeah, in. if it's Oh, bad. for sure, yeah,
0: for sure. So there was a, a fine balancing act that was that was achieved there. So I was I was happy to see that because again, as I've been joking for weeks on end mm. about Ezra Miller, uh, the fact that he was not sinking this um, was again where I was kind of conflicted with this. Uh, yeah,
1: extremely ironic. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Tom, there was a massive issue that we. We have not even touched on yet, and I would like to just kind of read my notes unedited, as they were happening in the theater. Sing it. Is that, is that, is that kosher? Abs- <laughs> are you kidding me? All right, all right. Your name's on the podcast. <laughs> not, my, not mine. <laughs> just make sure the mics are on for you. <laughs> so these these are my reactions. These are my actual bullet points as they were as they were unfolding on screen. Wow, some surprisingly bad CGI. Holy shit, I did not expect this bad CGI. <laughs> Are these CGI babies for real? In all caps, oh no, the CGI is really bad. (laughs) Didn't they have enough time for this in the oven? Wasn't this announced in 2014? Did they just ditch the post-production for this? The CGI is... It's worst of the year, without a doubt. It may be... I don't, I, I- <laughs> it's
1: so bad. And I feel like DC, I mean, in a large ocean <laughs> yeah. of horrible CGI movies sure. and, and definitely... Certainly, Marvel does not. Sometimes right. it hits, sometimes it doesn't. Right, right. But man, DC is like known now, yeah, for horrible, yeah, uh, whatever. They're the Justice League, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. terrible. I, yeah. I constantly say it's like you're just watching a video game, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and not even the best video game. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is <laughs> it's it's next level. Um, this might be a contender contender for worse than the last 10 years worst of the decade like it's bad we'll leave those CGI's babies for loan for now but (laughs) anytime Barry enters the speed force the speed force is is the source of his power and he can run back through the speed force to turn back time Uh, (laughs) that's the (laughs) the elevator pitch on, (laughs) on the flash's power there is a sphere of these CGI characters of which he remembers that literally looks worse than the PS3 game you always say the line looks like a ps3 game yeah it looks like a ps3 game i wanted to i really wanted to see this again with you just so you can observe the monstrosities on screen
1: we're gonna have to go deeper on this right I'm going to do some research. What studios are they hiring? Who are the, who oh, are the animators? Who are the, right. right. What CGI company are they, are they going through? Yeah. Because uh, it's a problem. Yeah. Like I said, Marvel, I mean, sure. It's Marvel's almost like just like what you would expect nowadays. Mm. It's upsetting, but it's, a, it's, sure. just, it's right. almost it's like. It's
0: part of their production schedule. They pump them out too much. Right. right, mm-hmm. right exactly. Again, they're uniquely bad.
1: Yeah. Uniquely bad. Uh, I don't think it was a big critique of Black Adam. But man, this and the Justice League
0: mm. it's 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 real bad. Something else. Um I mean, man, uh I I, I wish I could say it was even so bad it's good in, in parts. It's just it's confusing. Uh I <laughs> there's a sequence that a lot of these uncanny valley CGI people uh that yeah. are actors in the movie mm. are, are are thrown at you and I could just feel there was a quiet stirring of the audience, like not knowing if this was supposed to be serious, if we had like an early screener or something like, it was unreal. Uh, practical effects aren't looking great either. Some costume work is particularly rough. Um, ben Affleck, Chubb Batman looks like he has Coke bloat. I mean, he looks terrible. I had to double check they did cast Artie Lang as a body double with a up nose and everything i mean come on (laughs) let me tell you i mean it's bad it's bad i
1: have to see the movie i have to (laughs) see this movie now i
0: really did want to see it with you because like (laughs) man oh (laughs) yeah Just like, and that's where, where my last note was. Did they they got to the end of the race? Did they just cut post production on this? What happened? What happened? I don't
1: know. It's the practical stuff. That's that's shooting. That's that's day of stuff. Right. You right. know what I mean?
0: Oh, that's man. a great
1: question. I don't know.
0: I'll tell you what. It's it's bad. And honestly, that's where I opened it up, folks. I am torn between three scores on this. I would say I loved the flash and flashpoint as a story being adapted it really is one of the greats in DC comics Uh, I didn't like all the nostalgia bait shit you know I felt it was vapid and at and as the movie progresses it does really get worse surprisingly
1: and such a funny thing because that is really something Mm -hmm. where that's going to be per per person yeah you might be someone who when you say it gets worse Mm -hmm. people might love it sure you know what I mean that really that's a tough one
0: absolutely I think that's a good point and, and and on the low end i i hated the special effects i mean this shit was a disgrace um tom cruise and stephen king both gave high praise to this watching a screener and uh, i think they've lost all credibility honestly s- i swear to god yeah yeah that was in the early marketing that tom cruise and stephen king don't ask me why those two yeah. were chosen <laughs> <laughs> but I, it, one of them it said it was the best movie since The Dark Knight Tom Cruise did not say that, I think, I, that Tom it was with Cruise King. did not say that <laughs> I think Stephen King said something like it's very special or something like that <laughs> and, okay uh, yeah I don't know maybe it was because they thought it was going to get finished you know they were seeing like some some rough cuts of it or whatever uh i'm gonna say uh not good enough as the dark knight not good enough to keep ezra miller out of jail uh it's, it's still it's still around and he is still around as well boys let's get the um the boys in blue on this guy already we're gonna go ahead and give the flash a 46
1: oh wow okay Woo! Yeah, hey, boy. 46. Well, it's here and then it's gone. It's the Flash, folks.
0: <laughs> yeah, for real.
1: For real. I don't know. I find it so ironic that the most enjoyable part was Ezra Miller. I know, right? It's like, because the one caveat could be like, it's a 46, but hey, you know, I'm excited for Ezra Miller for Flash 2. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, nope. Nope. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, also, James Gunn said, probably one of the greatest super movies ever. <laughs> As they signed his checks. Yeah, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Okay. Wow, 46%. I don't know what to think of it. I really don't. I don't know. Because some of the nostalgic stuff doesn't bother me as much. Okay. It can. Sure. And it can come off across as lazy. But It's
0: also one of those things that if it hits, it hits. And that's kind of up to the subject matter.
1: So, you know. By chance, like, would it be fun to kind of go through your others? Like, did you have actual three scores in your head? Or... (laughs)
0: Uh, Not really thought through. I settled on the last one. But definitely one was lower and one was a little bit higher. Right,
1: right. Uh, The one lower
0: was how much I really wanted to put emphasis on that god-awful CGI
1: it's everything yeah. I don't know maybe I, I I don't know if you and I care about it more than other people I know mm. like producer Sean can't stand it either sure I don't know it's, it's it's definitely a bugaboo for the both of us yeah and I think for good reason yeah because it can make or break a film if you're just leaving us outside the bounds of reality almost yeah. or visual you know
0: yeah Uh, But the shame of it all is, like I said, I think um, this is a very cool comic story to adapt. I like The Flash finally getting some solo spotlight. And if you are a Snyderverse fan, this is your goodbye. Uh, This is your farewell song. Uh, So that's where I was on the positive end, where this could possibly hit a little higher, because I think there's a lot of areas that it works, but man, oof. Are there areas that it just <laughs> it just doesn't work? <laughs> my God.
1: Um, okay, I mean, 46 for The Flash. And by chance, I will say, I, I've always kind of liked The Flash character. Sure. Um, Definitely not the biggest fan or anything like that. That CW show has mm, many seasons now. Right. Uh, do you know, is that
0: good? Have you ever given that a
1: try? Or... So uh,
0: the um, my buddy Dave that I actually saw this with is a huge fan of that. He's a huge fan oh, of Flash. Right. Flash is like his favorite. Okay, um, right. Uh, as far as a hero goes. and
1: Like if you have a Flash itch that you want to scratch. Right. You know?
0: I, I have some problems with the production of that show but I think if you, get, you got production on, on, the, on the movie <laughs> I, too I know, I know yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, rocking a hard place uh, but honestly that show has run so long and adapted so many different Flash stories uh, I think it's a very it's a good letter to fans um, right because they really they, they explore everything. There's a lot of content I want to say almost like nine
1: seasons yeah, and they're long they're not like eight episode seasons they're yeah. long because all the, the CW.
0: CW shows are like that too
1: well maybe if you, yeah if you have that Flash or something like that, because <laughs> you're probably not going to get it for a while. Yeah, back in the movies,
0: we'll see, we'll see. I mean, even in um, uh, James Gunn's, you know, slate for DC, uh, I don't think the Flash is anywhere in there. So, like I said, I mean, it, it's a shame. It's a shame because Ezra works as the Flash too, in addition to mm. all this, uh, you, I, know, yeah. bug-a-boom, mm-hmm. you know, legal bugaboo.
1: I think he did in the uh, not the no, geez, not the Expendables. What was in the uh, uh, Justice? Yeah, in the Justice <laughs> <laughs> um, boy they're expendable um <laughs> Tom Cruise, by the way, said about the movie, "It's everything you want in the movie, and this is the kind of movie we need right now." Oh, I'm no, no, no. I'm okay with that. Oh, okay, okay. Because I think that's just him being nice. Like everything you want in the movie. What would even comment is that this is what we need right now. Yeah, it's right, just right, Money t- tickets. He's he, all about selling tickets exactly. right now. Exactly.
0: He is all about that money.
1: All right. Well, we spent some time. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. the flash of forty-six percent. I don't know how shocking it is, but at the same time, yeah. it was really nice just because kind of like weed through it.
0: Yeah, because it's I, the
1: talk of the town right
0: yeah, now. Yeah, I'm. I'm really curious I've, I've done a very good job as far as staying away from other reviews and nerd culture's type of opinion on this so i'm excited to test if it is the farewell letter for um for the snyderverse or not i ho- i hope it is for the fans because I'm, I'm not just no, trying the fans to fans
1: like it right
0: right i'm not just trying but... to endlessly hate on it uh so if it does it for someone a, F- a flash fan fantastic it just wasn't doing it for me
1: totally yeah that that's totally fine yeah uh, very very we're in this We're I don't know we're in this like Fast and Furious puddle oh sure yes back. we are Still in the fast puddle thought of a clever name for that
0: <laughs> the oil dripping
1: uh, Vin anything you want to touch on here uh, before we roll credits or, or... Uh,
0: sorry for going along going on so long for the flash no that's okay
1: <laughs> that's okay I was certain, I was chatting it up a little bit too okay folks Vin thank you so much for watching these thanks for stopping by we have some great weeks coming up yep. so we appreciate it so much folks at home we're going to run this down one more time here we have beautiful uh, with a 66% extraction with a 59 extraction two with a 62 elemental with a 50 and the flash with a 46% folks thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time on the daily ratings podcast if you enjoyed the podcast give us a good rating or tell a friend about us if you're wondering if a film is worth a watch or if you just had to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by TheDailyRatings.com where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the donations tab on TheDailyRatings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you receive from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.